This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to a special mini-series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. These episodes are dedicated to helping the small, regional, large breweries, distributors, importers, as well as on and off-premise businesses in the beer industry survive this pandemic and even thrive once it's over. In this special series, we hear from industry experts to get their take on the biggest challenges and what you can do about it. My guest today is my good friend, John Glick, who is now a consultant to businesses and the beverage industry. John spent the bulk of his career in the upper echelons of Anheuser-Busch and the Craft Beer Alliance. Hey, John, uh, nice to hear your voice again. It's, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to this little mini-series version of the Good Beer Matters podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I think we have a lot that we can talk about. Um, before we dive in there, will you give us just a uh, just a quick synopsis of your background within the beer industry? Sure, Jeremy. And first of all, thanks for having me on. Great to hear your voice. Good to hear you're doing well. Uh, yeah, my background, uh, briefly, uh, some big beer experience. I was with Anheuser-Busch for almost 20 years, working in operations, financial strategy. I did some M&A work on wholesale and some craft brewers, uh, worked with imports, exports, and also did some contract production work. Uh, from AB, I spent some time with uh, Craft Brew Alliance in Portland, about eight years doing really some really similar things, working with some great folks there. And uh, since leaving CBA, I've been doing some consulting work, working with a couple of breweries here on the West Coast, and currently work for uh, a joint venture between AB and Keurig called Drinkworks and helping them out with some of their licensing and deal stuff as well as some strategy and some financial analysis. Uh, and if I recall from some of your stories, because uh, you, you've got plenty of stories to tell, uh, if I recall from hearing uh, some of those stories that you were part of the uh, team that um, that uh, that kind of bought the Grupo Modelo uh, when you when you were with uh, Anheuser Busch, and if I also recall, you were in the room, part of the team, with the uh, group that um, that did the whole uh, InBev merger as well. Correct? Yeah, I, I was involved, kind of on the peripheral of the the Modelo deal, the original piece that AB bought um, years ago, before the full takeover, when I was at AB, um, and then. Uh, I think you're, you're also thinking of I was involved in the initial AB Goose Island deal um, when AB took a stake and then eventually you know purchased the rest of the company a number of years later, and then also was involved in Red Hook, Widmer, uh, that AB relationship as well sure. as uh, Kona and uh, then AB CBA Kona, which uh, you know was kind of going on as we speak. 
And, and I only bring that up just to kind of illustrate your history and stature within the beer industry. You've, you've been around some pretty big deals. Yeah, I've been around some big deals. I've been around some, some smaller ones. Uh, AB bought uh, into some smaller craft breweries when I was there. Uh, I also did some small uh, craft deals at CBA. Um, we bought, uh, you know, uh, Appalachian Mountain, Wynwood, and Nantucket. So I was involved in kind of the initial discussions there and pricing and, and then worked with those companies afterwards just to kind of get them up to speed and integrate them into the larger uh, companies and distribution systems. Perfect. And John, that is exactly why I wanted you to come on to this little mini series of the podcast, just because you have uh, a, a bit of experience to share with uh, those that are uh, kind of hanging in there right now. Um, but before we dive into that, uh, let's give a little shout out to um, uh, to some of the independent breweries that, um, that we happen to be uh, drinking right now. Uh, what are you drinking right now, John? Well, Jeremy, as you know, I live, I'm fortunate enough to live in Bend, Oregon, and, uh, you know, my favorite place in the world. And I have one of the local um, Deschutes beers in front of me, Luna Joe, which is also a collaboration, which I'm a big fan of. I've done many of those uh, in my time at, at AB and at CBA um, uh, with Luna Joe and Riff, a uh, local cold brew coffee company that uh, I uh, frequent on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, I'm going to pop it open now. And uh, I have had one or two of these already, but I'm going to enjoy one while we talk. That uh, And that's funny that you are drinking that. Uh, in my uh, uh, interview with Neil Stewart, also from Deschutes, um, uh, I happen to have uh, been drinking a Luna Joe's well. Um, it, it's just a, a delightful uh, an unexpected mishmash of uh, beer, uh, like a dark Mexican beer and, and some cold brewed coffee that just the flavors are are great for, uh, uh, you know, this time of year and, and frankly, this time of day, too. Here we are in the early afternoon. If you are going to drink a beer, it's kind of nice to have a little coffee in it. Um, yeah. I am drinking a beer from uh, Camas, Washington, just over the river from Oregon, um, a brewery called Grains of Wrath. I've had a few beers from them before. They've all been delightful. Uh, this one happens to be a, a Munich-style Dunkel, which I don't believe is currently on their tap list or package list. Uh, I suspect this was probably a winter offering, but I still had a bottle left over, and it was absolutely delightful. Uh, nice and um, a little bit uh, uh, lighter in body and intensity than uh, than others that I've had, but this was absolutely drinkable, and all the flavor profiles were just spot on to the style, and it was delicious. So uh, kudos to uh, Grains of Wrath and, of course, to Shoots Brewery. Uh, let's see, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into this now. Um, with your experience, uh, John, you know, working in, in big and, uh, medium and smaller breweries and, uh, and now kind of doing some, effectively some consulting, uh, from your perception, what is the biggest challenge that, uh, any business, small or big and in, in various capacities in the beer business, what are, what is the biggest challenge that they are dealing with right now? Well, well, obviously, as we take this, we're in the middle of, uh, you know, the coronavirus, um, you know, pandemic, and the economy is shut down uh, in many, many states. So I think just kind of uh, the time frame of where we're at today and what we know today um, versus uh, if somebody's listening to this in a couple of weeks, I'm sure there'll be more information and, and better perspective. But as I think about this and I talk to, uh, you know, my contacts in the craft beer business, 
um, you know, people are looking at where they're currently at. And a lot of the places, you know, they make their money off their tap rooms and those places are shut down. A lot of craft breweries, uh, a large percentage of their volume is, is still going out through kegs. And that business is, for the most part, shut down. Uh, restaurants and bars uh, are not open uh, and won't be open for a while. And so that portion of their business is shut down. Uh, they don't have cash coming in. Uh, they don't have that volume. Uh, they are trying to make it up with packaged product that's being sold to grocery stores or other uh, chains that, that may be open. They're trying to sell some stuff potentially out of their, their tap room if they're allowed to sell to-go orders. So the, uh, you know, a good portion, if not half of their business, is, is pretty much on the sidelines right now. And that's a very difficult place to be in. I don't think anybody thought anything like this could ever happen. Um, it's hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime scenario. But for the breweries that were just getting started or were struggling a little bit, this is a huge blow to them, both financially um, and, and organizationally. You know, their people potentially are out of work. Um, they're, they're struggling with that. They may not have people that are able to come to work because of childcare and schools. Just a really, really difficult time to, to run the organization. And then uh, I think the other thing that's, that's probably the most concerning is the uncertainty about what the future holds over the next three to four weeks as, as well as, uh, you know, the next six months. And so I think it's, it's the immediate crisis of my business is not what it was six weeks ago. Uh, I've got a cash flow problem, and I'm not sure what I should be planning on going forward. Well, and here we are, um, you know, prior to this, uh, we, we had surpassed 8,000 craft breweries in the, in the U S. Um, and, and it was, you know, competitive, but sustaining, um, uh, somewhat for the, I mean, for the most part, at least, uh, but with this pandemic, uh, the Brewers Association estimates that we could lose somewhere in the ballpark of 40 plus percent of those craft breweries. Um, and in my mind, and, you know, one of the big things I really wanted to chat with you about, uh, cause you, you seem to, within your career, you seem to focus on where to find the opportunities. Um, if I were to extrapolate, um, and so here we are with a proven ability to sustain uh, a little over 8,000 craft breweries in the nation, but now we're going to lose close to half of them, uh, theoretically. Uh, it seems to me that, um, all those uh, uh, breweries in planning that have not yet opened are kind of poised to uh, really take advantage of this time. But what about those businesses that are, um, you know, like you said, just hanging on? Where are the opportunities for them as we come out of this? Yeah, I, I think uh, I would ask, you know, if I was talking to those guys, if, we, if they were sitting in the room with us having the conversation, I would ask them some of the same questions I, I was asking them when I was with the big brewer talking to them about what they envision for their future. And it, it's, it's, what is it that you want to build your business on? Because you can make great beer, you can have a cool little place in a neat part of town, and you, you can have a nice little business. But if you want to grow and be bigger and be more successful, what is it that you're going to be? Uh, what does your brand stand for? What does your product look like? And what is it that you're going to be excellent? Where in the beer business are you going to set yourself apart? And I think I would be asking folks today the same thing is, is when we come out of this, hopefully in the next few months, 
where is it that you're going to be focusing to be excellent, to be able to compete? Is it, are, are you going to be that the, the, the craft brewer or the mid-sized brewer that's going to be ready to take advantage of the restaurants and the, and the bars opening back up? Or are you going to be taking advantage of that off-premise now, trying to really compete there successfully and make a place for you, for yourself so that when uh, the business goes back to usual, those retailers see you as being an excellent supplier, uh, having great great products and having great, great programs to support them, and they're going to remember that and then continues to support you going forward? Or you know, are you somebody that's hung your hat on your, your pub business and how do you get that pub ready uh, for a few months from now? Because it's closed today. You've probably lost a bunch of employees that, that are maybe have even have left town or are going to do something else when this thing kicks back up because you've had to let them go. Um, when you come back, there may be rules in place that says you can only have a limited number of people in your establishment. So what does that mean as far as seating, as far as cleanliness, those types of things? And then how are you going to attract people? People are going to be hesitant to come back to a a location where they were sitting two feet away from a stranger back to back in a booth or at a bar seat or or whatever. How are you going to prepare for that? How are you going to make people feel comfortable to come to your location, to come in and enjoy your products? Are you going to advertise having, you know, X type of cleaning that's done on a daily basis? Are you going to set people further apart? Are you going to redo your seating? You know, what is it that you're going to do better than the other guy when you compete so that you feel like you have a, a, a better than average chance of being successful. And I think, you know, the, the smart people now are talking about that and they're making plans under various scenarios so that they can, they can execute a strategy successfully when the market does open back up and does get closer to normal. When, you know, and the question is, is will we ever get back to, to uh, you know, what it was in 2019? Uh, is that six months away or a year away, or, or what have you, but how do I get from where we're at today to that point and be successful? And then, you know, obviously there's opportunities, right? You, you are going to have some of your competitors go out of business. So there's going to be tap handles potentially available. There's going to be shelf space potentially available. Um, some of their employees are going to be available, whether they, they be great brewers or great salespeople, the marketeers, et cetera, that, you know, you, you should be open to looking at those opportunities to prepare yourself um, to be in better shape to compete in the beer market uh, tomorrow than you are today. And and I you know pay attention uh, on the social media, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I do see a number of brands that are continuing to do some pretty solid outreach uh, and to basically continue that relationship with their uh, customer base and with their um uh, collaborators, be it on or off premise, uh, and if I were a betting man, I I would put my money that those uh, those companies will fare better because they are continuing to market in in interesting ways, but just keep the uh, the brand awareness alive and, and do it in such a way that it's hey we're all in this together. We want to continue our relationship, our partnership, um, uh, and and we're we can't wait to help you. Uh, kind of get back up and running again. Uh, what's your take on that? Sure, you, you know your relationship with your your consumer, your customer uh, is is paramount to to being successful. And uh, that relationship in general, and your relationship in the community, I think is is very important. Whether that be with uh, you know the the bar, the pub, the mayor, 
the restaurant owners, et cetera, those relationships are, are very, very important. I think it also, you know, you see people that are doing hand sanitizer. You see people who are helping, um, you know, some of the big brewers are giving uh, funds to retailers and employees to try to help them out. Uh, some of those types of things. I mean, they're, they're creating goodwill for their brand and, and their business that's going to pay off down the road. Um, so I think that all makes sense. And, and, and a lot of brewers, you know, they, they have hung their hat on their relationship with the community, whether that be, um, you know, being sustainable, uh, giving to the community for good causes, having, you know, cents per pint that go to certain charities, uh, those they're, they're building those relationships and, um, you know, as part of their brand profile and they need to continue to invest in it. And this is an opportunity to be, do more good because of all the, the difficult times that are going out there for going on for both businesses and individual consumers. It's an opportunity to do that. And, but you need to do that in an authentic way, right? I mean, you can't, you can't be anything you're not, but if that's who you are and that's who you've been, then this is an opportunity for you to continue to, to participate in that and, and build that goodwill towards, you know, the consumer, whether that be a retailer or a, or an individual consumer. Sure. And I mean, anyone who breaks their arm trying to pat themselves on the back is really not going to come across well. But, you know, I'll give another little shout out. Patagonia is one of those companies that I've paid attention to for years and do a very good job of of just making it very clear of, of the purpose for them being uh, a company and, and their purpose for putting products out there is it's to solve the environmental crisis. Um, and there are some of those breweries and, and other companies that, um, that aren't quite as purposeful as Patagonia or other companies are, but there's still a lot of really good causes, little, uh, good, um, good worthwhile things and, and, and people who are doing it in a very authentic way, as you, as you suggested. And I, I think those are the ones that hopefully people will gravitate toward, now that we truly, you know, understand that we very literally are in this whole world together. So our our choices on this side of the world can indirectly or directly affect people on the other side of the world. And, and this whole pandemic is kind of proof of that. Yeah, no question. I, I've seen a lot of really good work around supporting healthcare providers and kind of the people that are the front lines of this fight right now. And, and I think that's that's awesome. And it's authentic, and you can tell it's really appreciated by both the people that are out there doing that work as well as the general community. Um, but yeah, hand sanitizer, there's all kinds of things going on that is, is really great to see. And and so this conversation you and I are having now, John, is uh, it kind of speaks to what what uh, b- uh, businesses in the beer industry can do right now to survive and set themselves up. Uh, for when we reemerge from all this to uh, eventually thrive. But, uh, you know, I, I'm also thinking about, I'm sorry, we didn't talk about this um, uh, ahead of time, but I want to get your take on, uh, you know, you mentioned we're going to have excess uh, brewers, excess employees, but, you know, we're going to have excess kegs, brewing equipment, hops, malt, ingredients. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, excess. If we do lose 40 plus percent of our craft brewers, we're going to have a lot of extra out there, what are what are the opportunities with uh, items like that? Yeah, you know, I, you know, there's been a lot of um, you know, just keeping up with the industry press. There's been a ton of uh, writing about the kegs, uh, you know, the full kegs that were either at retail, at wholesale, or sitting at the brewery. Um, and, you know, and brewers are coming in and kind of making splitting the cost of those fifty fifty with with different 
different people to kind of relieve some of the burden um, on those costs. But, you know, obviously that beer is going to be dumped. Um, and um, so that's going to be a write-off, and it's just going to be spread across a, a number of places. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how you make up for what we're losing today. Uh, a lost sale today is not – it's not like something – else that somebody's just going to buy more of, um, you know, six months from now. It, it's not pent-up demand that's just going to be taken care of down the road. It, it is lost sales. They're going to be lost forever. I, I don't know that those hops are going to be used for something else. Uh, I don't know that the, the bottles are going to be used for something else. I don't know if, you know, that we're going to be able to get back the labor or any of those types of things. Um, I, I do think with the, you know, there's going to be a, a supply is going to be greater than demand, right? And, and you're, you're seeing that in, in the rest of the world, you know, the, the headlines are, you know, the price of oil, which you know, people have been watching for years, but it's the same basic scenario is people don't need as much oil right now. The producers continue to produce and the price has gone from $60 a barrel down to $20 a barrel. And that's not going to resolve itself uh, anytime soon. And so the suppliers are cutting back on what they're producing. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the things that, that you mentioned, Jeremy, are, are things that are going to spoil. I mean, hops don't last forever. The barley is not going to last forever. So what's that? What's going to happen? Uh, I, I think the producers are going to have to find someplace else to sell it. Who else might use it? Uh, the grain potentially could go to feed uh, livestock. Um, hops can be used for various other things, but certainly not to the extent that, you know, they were grown specifically for beers and some of the, the specialty hops that were grown for craft brewers to make um, some, some great beers is, are probably not going to be needed. Um, you know, you, you hear about farmers with other products that they're just turning them under. They're pouring milk down the drain. They're doing all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I, I am not that close to uh, that part of the supply chain to, to know what they what else they can do with the product. But they're going to be hurting. I think from a brewer perspective, you're going to have an opportunity to to buy uh, those those raw materials in the future for a lot less than than you have been paying. And I would be looking at my contracts to see what options I have. I'd be talking to my suppliers about. What are you willing to do with what I've already purchased versus what if I buy more and buy ahead? Um, how long can I keep it? Um, you know, I, I think there's opportunities to save a few nickels and dimes on, on raw incoming raw materials, but you're going to have to make sure that it's going to be going out the other end. I think a lot of these, a lot of the craft brewers, as I talk to them, really right now, it's a matter of how much cash they have because they don't have the revenue coming in that they had, uh, they've cut expenses and I'm sure they're all talking to the government, uh, where they're eligible for any type of forgivable loans or any of those types of things. And I'm not an expert in those programs, but you know, a little bit I read, I read, I would assume some of the, the craft brewers would be eligible for, uh, some of those funds. I definitely would be looking at that. And then I'd be talking to, you know, my bank as well as, is if I've got a loan with a bank, uh, and they're requiring certain payments and they're looking for certain covenants on those loans, I'd be making sure uh, the bank wasn't knocking at my door in a few weeks asking for repayments or, or anything else. I'd be making sure that uh, that powder was dry and I'm able to kind of come out of this uh, in the best position possible with a, enough cash to get myself going and produce my product and get it out in the marketplace. But as far as the raw materials and equipment, um, 
you know, I think you can probably buy kegs super cheap if you're looking to buy your own kegs, uh, all those types of things. And, you know, with other brewers potentially going out of business, you can probably, if you're looking to expand and upgrade your brewing equipment with more tanks, uh, another brewing system or another location, you're going to be able to buy it um, really cheap compared to what it was six months ago. And unfortunately, there's going to be probably a lot of that on the market. So I think a a brewery that is is well capitalized, they don't have a lot of debt. They've got plenty of cash. They feel good about their ability to come out of this crisis in in a healthy shape. They've got great product. Uh, And one of their strategies was to expand and to enter new markets and add more pubs or add more capacity then this is a, a golden opportunity to go talk to people that you respect that are potentially going to kind of go out of business or are willing to potentially join forces with you and, and restructure your company to, to be bigger and more efficient down the road. But again, I think all of it depends on what your initial strategy was and what your strategy will be coming out of this, and making sure that that makes sense. Yeah, it seems like this whole experience is somewhat of a of a grand reset button. Um, it's going to take a lot of us um, back quite a few steps to uh, not start completely over, but basically restart. And um, I think the silver lining, for, in my mind, in my way of thinking, is uh, this gives us the opportunity to, uh, you know, if we knew then what we know now type of situation, well, we're effectively going back, uh, uh, kind of backwards a little bit as far as the business goes, but we, we're smarter now. And and we have the opportunity collectively as, as a, a global beer community, we have the ability to basically recreate this beer industry in the image that we'd like to see it go. And, uh, I've you know, I've listened to a lot of people talk about the beer industry and talk about, you know, uh, in this podcast, you know, what what would you change? And there's there's a lot of things that people would like to change. Um, we effectively have the opportunity to uh, make those changes now, uh, assuming um, assuming you know for those people who can survive this and and move on, uh, we basically get to uh, kind of start over somewhat. Yeah, I, I, I would I would caveat that and say the, the people that have been financially um, conservative, if you will. So they haven't, you know, over levered themselves. They don't have a huge amount of debt. They're, they're financially healthy and they were somewhat better prepared, whether it was because of a strategy or just the way they were kind of emphasizing your business on, on off premise. The, the, the folks that have the cash available are going to really be able to go out and, and change things and, and recreate things the, the, the way they want. I think there's going to be, also, unfortunately, the flip side of that, there's going to be some really, really good people that uh, were doing relatively well, but had levered up for kind of growth and expansion that this is going to be really painful for. And I'm not sure how many of them are going to be able to survive um, this really difficult time. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, well, I I want to make sure we, we don't go too long, but... Um, uh, do you have any other advice uh, for uh, breweries to set themselves up for, um, you know, to thrive when this is all done, or have we kind of hit the key points? Well, I, I think there's there's two really broad uh, areas that I just would want to touch on, and one of them is, and I just mentioned that some people may go out of business here, and I and I think if the people that are challenged right now really need to take a look at 
what their business plan was, what their strategy was, and do they believe that that strategy or the assets they have in their possession, are they set up to be successful in 2020 uh, as we come out of the, the coronavirus problem pandemic? Um, if not, uh, if it is not a definite yes, then they really need to think about what are my options and how do I potentially unwind this or how do I do something different to, to take care of my, my family, take care of my, my employees, et cetera. Um, and, and there are some options, right? As you, you sell, but you, you get terms that make sense for, for the rest of your stakeholders. Um, and, and sometimes bankruptcy is, is what happens and, and then you want to make a plan to try to unwind things as best you can, understand how that works, take care of, again, as many people as possible in that process. I have been around a few bankruptcies. It's obviously really, really difficult um, and painful, but, um, you know, I, I really do a gut check and make sure it's a, it's a going concern and it makes sense for them. If they think they can make it, but their investors, whether that be bankers or private investors, aren't willing to put more cash in, they're going to have a really hard time because it's going to take cash to get through the next six months. Um, you're going to be putting cash into the business to keep it going and to reinvest. And you have to be confident that it's going to make sense to do that. You know, good money after bad. And, and in this situation, nobody should be feeling bad about that. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime, unfortunately, a, a beer and financial crisis that no one saw coming. So, but, but take the, take the opportunity to really think that through and make sure it makes sense to, to go forward. And then secondly, once you've decided, yes, it's going to go forward and here's what we're going to do. I think continuing to have your finger on the pulse of the timing of your key markets is going to be critical. So if it, depending on what state you're in and what they come up with in the next few days, uh, the next few weeks, as far as how they're going to be reopening business, be on top of that to take advantage of that as best you can. So if, if you think packaged product is going to continue to be moving off the shelves, then continue to produce that or have beer in tanks that you can put in bottles and cans and continue to meet that. And then go after those retailers and try to get more shelf space and get yourself in a position to take advantage of that as best you can. If they're going to be opening up pubs, but it's going to be, confined to certain numbers of people or spacing or what have you, or certain cleaning regiments, then be prepared and be able to tell people through social media or whatever that you're one of the, the breweries that is following along the guidelines that has taken those steps. You're open for business. You would love to have them come out. Um, you want to have a cel celebration of welcoming them back, et cetera. If you plan on your business being off premise, but outside of your own particular establishment, then make sure you're, you're fully aligned with your wholesaler. I mean, that wholesaler is going to be, uh, you know, swarmed by people who want their beer in the market ASAP. You want to be talking to them now about, hey, when this thing opens up, I'm going to have these beers ready for you. Here's what we're going to be doing on premise to promote it. Here's how we're going to be communicating it. We've already, my salespeople are in talking to these different retailers about tap handles and different things we can do in the state that are legal to kind of keep our brands moving things we're going to be doing, social media, those kind of things. Now is the time to prep and have all those things in place because once the, the businesses are reopened and the green light goes or the green flags dropped, however you want to look at that, you need to have already done your homework and already have your beer ready and your salespeople ready and, and, and be ready to execute. 
because there will be people who stumble out of the starting gates and it's your opportunity to take advantage and try to get a foothold in the, in the kind of the new world post, you know, coronavirus um, to be successful. So I think timing is going to be really, really key. I don't think anybody knows exactly what that is, but I think you have your plans ready under a couple of different scenarios to know exactly what you're going to do and make sure your people are informed and, and ready to go and ready to execute. So I think timing would be, you know, kind of my last thought, Jeremy, that I think is really, really important. Well, and 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 from my experiences, I would agree with all of that. The only thing that I would uh, highlight especially is uh, on, on day one, when we can all come out of our homes and go back to the restaurants and bars, uh, if um, if that is the day that um, you know distributors and breweries, if that's the day that your salespeople go out to try and reestablish relationships to get the beer back in the shelf and in the bars, uh, that's way too late. Um, I think you know you mentioned now is the time to uh, to make these plans, but also now is the time to um, just check in with people and keep those relationships going, keep those uh, uh, lines of uh, uh, commerce open um in a mutual support um i i think that is uh one of the things for me at least is is critical yeah i agree 100 it's it's phone calls it's text messages it's zoom it's whatever you can do with your retailer and wholesaler partners to to be prepared and to um you know reestablish those relationships and make sure that they're super super strong great um, and just with the time that we have, um, I think you just kind of gave me some really wonderful tips to kind of wrap up. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, John? Um, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing more that we haven't already talked to Jeremy. You know, I think this is a really, really difficult time, obviously. Um, understatement of the year, uh, a lot of unanswered questions, um, you know, but there are opportunities. Uh, people uh, love our product. Um, they're looking forward to getting back out and socializing with friends, with uh, getting back to their establishments. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, as long as uh, we communicate and protocols are, are taken uh, and followed, I think there's, there's real opportunities for people. But I think getting through these, these dark days is, is truly a challenge, and people are going to have to work extra hard to be one of the few that is successful kind of coming out of it. Great. And uh, because you are a consultant in this business, um, if uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you to pick your brain or to continue this conversation with you specifically, how could they connect with you? Um, they can they can get me on uh, LinkedIn. So John Glick uh, on LinkedIn, and I also my email address is uh, GlickJW at gmail dot com. So G L I C K J W at gmail dot com. Anybody can drop me a line, and I'll be happy to. I'll give them a call back or, or answer their questions. But I appreciate that. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, of course. Uh, and and I'd be remiss if I didn't share, you know, with some of the work that I do with uh, writing and telling telling the, the brand story and, and all that sort of stuff. But you can get a hold of me at Mountain Sea Media or Jeremy at MountainSeaMedia.com. Um, uh, otherwise, John, thank you so much for coming on this uh, show and uh, sharing with us your insights on what's going on out there. My pleasure. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the special mini-series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. I hope it was helpful, and I can't wait to have a beer with you out in public again soon. Until then, cheers. Cheers.